Hello and welcome to Sounding Out the Word podcast, a ministry of Anchor Baptist Church here in Salt Lake City, Utah, where it is our desire to win the lost and disciple those that God allows us to win to Christ. God bless you, dear listener, and thank you for tuning in once again to our podcast today. And uh, I want to encourage you for just a moment here before we get into the Bible. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, uh, not just send us an email, and you can always do that at SOTW at anchorbaptistslc.org. But uh, I'd like to ask you to go ahead and share this podcast right now on whatever platform you're listening to. Uh, Maybe you could share it on Facebook or like it and uh, be a blessing and encouragement and uh, spread the word um, in that way uh, so we can impact as many people as we can for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to continue today in our uh, series, in our study, going through the life of Joseph. And uh, last time we looked and we spent several uh, episodes looking at envy um, in uh, Joseph's brother's life that caused them um, to do everything that they did and that precipitated everything they did uh, to their brother Joseph. But but today we're going we're gonna to look at the flip side of that. And look at the fact in, in, in this thought here, when your life, when your life is out of your control, it's still in God's control. When your life is out of your control, it's still in God's control. Oh, I'm so thankful for that. The Bible tells us in Genesis 37 in verse number 23, and it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels, bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? We know the rest of the story, you can read it in scriptures, how that they pull him out of the pit and they sell him to that band of Ishmaelites there, uh, believing they would no longer have Joseph's blood on their hands. Uh, but not only would they get rid of him, it was twofold blessing to them. They would get rid of him, but also they would they'd make some money out of it. And of course, they put together that deceitful plot of taking their brother's coat of many colors and dipping it in blood and taking it back to their father and creating and fabricating Uh, that uh, dramatic lie in that story. The Bible says in verse number 36, And the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's, and captain of the guard. As we put together the events from the beginning of the chapter, all the way into the end of it, it, it's been a few days that are are so difficult in, in someone's life that we, I don't think we could really imagine it today. Joseph started the day in verse number 12 of chapter 37, not knowing that it would be any different than any other day. I, I mean, as, as you're listening today, who, who starts out their day knowing for sure tragedy is going to come? Who starts their day knowing that you're going to face terrible, life-altering news by the time you pillow your head? I, I know I don't. I, I, I try to get up the, the day on, on a positive outlook. I, I spend time in the Word of God. I spend uh, a time in prayer, uh, hoping for the best and, and thinking things are going are, are gonna to be good and going according to God's will and plan. Ne- never thinking, never planning my day that tragedy is going to come. Joseph started that day under Jacob's loving and watchful eye. 
But before the week was over, he was a slave in Egypt, and he was helpless. He was not independent any longer. He had no coat, he had no position, and he had no expression of his father's love, no feeling of it. But I want you to note this morning, dear listener, God was still in control of Joseph's life. He may have been out from under Jacob's care, but he was never away from the care of his heavenly father. The wonderful news is that God cares about all of his children in the exact same way. Today, if you know Christ as your Savior, God cares about you just as much as he did Joseph or anybody else in the Bible or anybody else in history. Can I say today, you don't have to be a Joseph for God to be in control when your life is out of control. He knows he cares about the sparrow that falls to the ground. The book of Matthew tells us that. And he knows and he cares about your needs and your burdens. Yeah, there are going to be times in all of our lives when we deal with people, with situations, and with circumstances that are not to our liking. In fact, if we were honest, we would have to say, they're they're against me. But that doesn't mean that God is against you. That doesn't mean that you quit serving God because of a circumstance. God's control is not limited by your enemy's hatred. We saw last week how that Joseph's brothers conspired against Joseph when he was on the way to him. They, they saw him from afar, but, he, but he's here now and they've got to decide if their words are going to become actions. Reuben, he's already talked them out of killing him, and it seems that he had a plan to maybe get Joseph back to his father at a later time. I think maybe Reuben was going to go back and pull him out of the pit after his brothers were gone, maybe after their anger subsided a little bit, after their tempers cooled. But when they see Joseph, I believe their hatred for him was was just as strong as it ever was. And the Bible says they ripped the coat of many colors off of him. They, They stripped him of it. Remember... Joseph being a type of Jesus, Jesus was stripped of his clothes by the Roman guards when he was crucified. I think taking his coat off of him was the next best thing they could to killing him in their mind because of that envy. They took their anger and their envy out on an object since they decided together collectively they weren't going to kill him. They weren't going to shed his blood They didn't hate the coat itself, the the thread, the fabric. It it wasn't that they didn't like the color or how it fit. They hated what it stood for. It stood for their father's out-of-balance love. It stood for Joseph's position. It stood for his dreams. Understand, when someone has hatred against you, if they can't get to you, they'll tear down what you stand for or what represents you. It may be the Bible they attack instead of you. It may be the thought of a a faithful marriage that they attack. As a pastor, sometimes people might not attack myself, but they might attack something I preach or the church I pastor. If it happens to you and me today, don't be surprised because it happened to Joseph way back in the book of Genesis. Joseph's brothers are hateful and they are envious. Don't forget that in chapter 34 of Genesis, You can take time to look back at that in your Bible study this week. Simeon and Levi slaughter a whole city of helpless men and boys in a merciless way. So for the time being, they decide to throw Joseph in a pit. I believe the idea with no water in it was that that he would die, but it wouldn't be directly by their hands. They were soothing their conscience. Now they were trying to, to take the moral high ground, if you could. So 
notice, with no conscience, they sit down and the Bible tells us they, they have a meal, verse number 25, they have a meal while their brother's going to starve to death, literally starve to death below them. People are amazed and, and shocked today sometimes at crimes that are committed. People will murder someone and then just coldly sit there and even, even call the police and confess to what they did. There's nothing new under the sun. And listen, there, there's no depth to the depravity of man's sin without Jesus Christ in the heart. The answer today is not more legislation. The answer today is not to legislate morality and say we have to do this or we should do this. The answer is the Lord Jesus Christ in the hearts of men and women, boys and girls. That's going to be the only difference maker. And so to make it worse, here in scriptures, the only benefit they see in keeping Joseph alive is the prospect of maybe making money off of him. When people hate you and despise what you stand for, they can be awfully cruel, even to the point where they might be tempted to ask, and we might be tempted to say, doesn't, doesn't God see this? Isn't God watching? But even though the hatred for Joseph takes his life out of his control, again, we see it's not out of God's control. So go ahead and ask it. The answer is yes. God does see this. God, God, God is paying attention. And I want to encourage you to keep your eyes on him and, and let him guide you through something like this that he is allowing to take place in your life. God's control is not limited by the level of someone's hatred for you. But could I also say this? God's control is not limited by your feeling of rejection. The Bible says in Genesis 37, 27, Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him. For he is our brother in our flesh, and his brethren were content. Then there passed by many night merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. Now at this point, we know the story that Joseph is sold. There was profit to be gained by not killing him. I wonder sometimes, even as I read that now um, on, on the podcast, if Joseph might not have even thought, you know, hope beyond hope that, that maybe they were pulling him out and had a change of heart. But that's not what took place. Joseph's brothers took him out to sell him. So literally, to Joseph's brothers, he wasn't even worth killing. Now think with me. Let's remember where Joseph has been over the last few days. He knows he's in an awkward position because of his father's unbalanced love toward him. His home life is a wreck. He feels the hatred and envy from his brothers because of his dreams and his position. He's sent to check on his brothers, and he, he does so trying to be obedient and a good steward. They see him coming and talk about him the whole way and even seriously debate killing him. When he gets to them, they greet him by stripping him of that coat that has come to represent all that they hate about him, and then they throw him in a pit, but it gets worse. They hate the sight of him so much, they see an opportunity for profit, and to make his life more miserable than killing him, they sell him into slavery. At this point, dear listener, ask yourself this question, do you feel loved and accepted, or do you feel rejected? Rejection is one of Satan's greatest weapons against us because no one, no one likes rejection. In fact, sometimes we will avoid it at all cost. 
You might be listening and say, well, I, I like to be alone. It doesn't bother me. Now, being alone isn't the same as rejection. Being alone is on your terms. Rejection is on someone else's terms. When you like being alone, it means you're in control. Being rejected means someone else has control of you. Many teenagers today struggle with rejection from their peers, but I'm convinced the desire to not face rejection doesn't end with teen years. I don't care how old you are if you're listening, no one likes to feel unwanted. No one likes it when their thoughts or opinions do not matter. No one likes it when they're made to feel like they have no place to fit in or it wouldn't make a difference if they lived or died. So why is rejection a weapon of the devil? Because we'll do anything to avoid it. So when a teen is rejected by a group of peers at school or even at church, the devil says, I'll take you. When a wife feels rejected by her husband, the devil says, I can help you with that. And many, many Christians have sold everything. I mean, they've sold everything to the point so that they'll not feel that rejection. They'll give everything over to Satan so they won't have that awful feeling. Satan wants you and I to get to the place where you feel like you're, you aren't even worth killing. And then you run to him because he promises acceptance. Oh, but then what does he do? The Bible gives us example over and over again that he destroys your life. For the sake of avoiding rejection, teens will lose their purity. Men will refuse to take leadership. Women will give their hearts to the first person who comes along and gives them attention. Satan, hey, he is winning in this area because we don't believe that God can still be in control even when we are rejected by everyone else. But being rejected by the majority doesn't mean that you're necessarily in the wrong. Listener, you may be in the right. And it also certainly doesn't mean we know for sure that God has rejected you. I believe our Savior knows a little bit about rejection. The Bible says he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. It says in the Bible that he was despised and rejected of men. On the cross, Jesus said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Understand as you're listening that even when you face rejection now or rejection in your past, please listen to me. God has not rejected you. And he is still in control even in that hurtful and lonely situation. Oh, please do not turn yourself over to the lies of the devil and go and do something just for the feeling of acceptance. It's going to end in destruction. Why? Because God can take that rejection that you faced and he can teach you something about acceptance in him that many people will never know. And you can walk with him and you can find satisfaction in who you are in him and real purpose in your life rather than clamoring for the acceptance of everyone else and losing it all. God is in control and it's not limited by being accepted by someone else. God's control is not limited by rejection. God's control is not limited by your enemy's level of hatred. But I also want to tell you this, God's control is not limited by your helplessness. Verse 36, the second, the last verse of this chapter, verse 37, 
The Bible says, And the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar. Joseph was sold. We don't have time to look at it on the podcast today, but I want to mention it. Jacob, he is deceived by his sons about what happened to Joseph. Jacob didn't know he was being deceived, but I can't help but think about when he's deceived his own father about his brother Esau. Jacob the deceiver is now being deceived. The Bible is true. You do, I do reap what I sow. When we're the most helpless within our own selves, though that is when able, God is able to do his best work. When our life seems out of our control, many times that is when we finally surrender all that we have uh, to God. So far in what we've seen in Joseph's life, he had somewhat of an ability to live freely, to make his own choices. Um, he, he had a position in his father's house. He, think about it. Even in the pit, when he would have been able to, to at least able to maybe climb out or call for help from his brothers after they left, he has some recourse, some personal liberty, even in the pit. But now that the Midianites have sold him into Egyptian slavery, his fate now seems to be in the hands of someone else, and he is a thousand miles away from home. He's 17 years old, and for the next 13 years, he's going to be a slave and a servant, doing what someone else says and doing it when they say it. From age 17 until 30, he's at the disposal of his master's whims. If anyone has ever had reason to feel helpless, it's Joseph. Everything in Joseph's life was out of his control. He was powerless to change or to help his situation, but God is still in control. Today, you might feel a lot like Joseph because of a circumstance or a situation in your life. Maybe it's of your own doing. Maybe it's simply God's plan for your life right now. Whatever God has brought you to this place of helplessness, God still has a plan even though you can't see it. God's plan wasn't beyond Joseph's ability to mess it up, though. Think about that part. Joseph could have ran from God right now. Joseph could have gotten bitter. Joseph could have embraced a worldly lifestyle since he was away from his father's watchful eye. But God in his foreknowledge and providence knew, he knew Joseph wouldn't do that. So he put Joseph in his plan. But if Joseph would have messed up, God would have used someone else. I really believe that. I say that to help us realize and to think about Joseph for a minute as we close out the podcast for this week. Joseph's life was, it was out of his control. But Joseph believed it was still in God's control. And since he believed it was in God's control, I want you to get this. He behaved himself. He behaved himself. Sometimes you see a Christian's life get out of what they think is their control, and they just twist off, and they go off the rails as if they were never a Christian. God isn't pleased with that. God can't use that. Oh, listener, stay faithful. Keep your eyes on God. Behave like a Christian because we know that he is in control when things are out of our control. God is not limited by others' hatred for you. God is not limited by your feeling of rejection. And God is not limited by your helplessness. Thank you for listening to Sounding Out the Word podcast, a ministry of Anchor Baptist Church. 
It's been a wonderful time spending the day with you, and I pray that these things that we've said and these challenges from the Word of God will be a help and encouragement to you as you live for God. Let's be faithful to God's house tomorrow. Let's be in church. Let's be alive. Let's seek revival, and let's pray that God would use our lives as he did Joseph to be a witness and a testimony to those around us. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.